Welcome to Camera Ready and Able, the podcast that explores the intersection of media change and personal growth. I'm your host, Barbara Barna Abel, and my calling is to help you tap into your superpowers, clarify your message, and make an impact on the world. This episode is brought to you by the word headshots, quite literally photographs of people's heads and faces, which are a requirement for hosts, actors, and performers, plus executives, and just about anyone with a LinkedIn profile. My guest for this episode is my very own headshot photographer, Nick Coleman, who is here to school us in the fact that headshot is a limiting term. We should really be calling these photographs portraits. You should also prep for your photo shoot to get the most out of it, and we're going to discuss how. In addition to being an award-winning photographer, Nick is a filmmaker, actor, and screenwriter. Recognized by Backstage for his actor headshots, Nick has also photographed U.S. presidents and heads of state, and his regular clients include law firms and financial institutions in New York City, and he's been published in the New York Times, The Economist, and The New Yorker. Nick's acting credits include 30 Rock, Inside Amy Schumer, Billions, The Night Of, and Orange is the New Black. Welcome, Nick. I'm so glad to be here. Thanks for having me on. Oh, my pleasure. I have wanted to talk to you about this since I launched my podcast. So I'm glad I, you know, nabbed you for half an hour or so. So, you know, one thing is going through your resume that I was realizing that we have in common is we work with performers and we work with C-suite executives Uh and people find this surprising. I don't. It's not surprising. So I just want to ask you, in your opinion, how are all these people similar? And and then are there ways in which these two camps are different? So with actors, obviously they're pursuing a career in entertainment, right? C-suite executives, you would think that they wouldn't have anything in common. The thing that they do have in common is that there is a public perception of them that is driven by some career goal. And there's a private perception of them that either they hold, their family holds, their friends hold, and often those two things do not jive. When they do, it's great. It makes it easier for them to interact with other people, to drive their business. When they don't jive, it becomes a problem. And most of the time when people are struggling in photo sessions, it has something to do with that. This idea that there is some way that they want to present themselves that doesn't match with the way they see themselves, and that causes all kinds of chaos. Okay. We're going to dive deep into this. First, I want to acknowledge for anyone who's never had a photo shoot and for all the models who may be listening, this is such hard work. Mm -hmm. I mean, I did a recent headshot, I'm sorry, portrait session with you. There we go. I mean, it was exhausting. And um, and again, I'm going to say this over and over again in this episode, just how wonderful you are to work with Nick. And that's why we're here because you took my first headshot in 2010 Mm-hmm. And I think this was our third session together and it just gets better and better at how you relax me and bring out the best in me and see things in me. And it's just incredible. And, and also the incredible sense of direction, which I think is part of you tapping into your skills, not only as a photographer, but as an actor. So I want to circle back to what you just said about the internal idea, the perception of ourselves internally versus what's showing up. So mm-hmm. how does that show up in a session and how this is really double-barreled question, and how do you work through it? I think, I I always say that someday I'm going to write a book that's called I Hate the Way I Look. (laughs) Because that is usually the first thing that people say to me whenever they walk into a room to have their photo taken. I don't care if it's an actor. uh, I don't care if it's the CEO of a company. People walk in the room, they say, I hate the way I look, and they add in photos to the end of it. And what they're really saying is, I'm uncomfortable with something about myself, and it shows up in pictures. That's what they're really saying. 
So my job, usually as a photographer, I feel, is to help people, A, understand that everybody feels that way. So it's not like a personal defect in you to feel that way. And B, to make you feel like this session isn't going to change your life. So don't stress about it. It's going to be an, a period of time in your life. Hopefully you enjoy it. And at the end of it, ideally, we have some photos that we can use for your business. So this idea of like the, the disconnect people have, we all have a history. Like we grew up with people either being nice to us or not being nice to us. Who we are as people isn't really the same as who we are on the outside, but other people perceive us who we are on the outside. So if you've had a good experience with people experiencing who you are on the outside, maybe you like yourself in pictures. If you've had a bad experience with who you are on the outside and people responding to that, maybe you don't like the way you look in pictures. So it's more than just people saying, oh, I'm attractive or unattractive. It's people coming to terms with very specific things about themselves that they can focus on whenever they're frozen in an image. So I get probably the biggest thing that I get is people saying things like, uh, I, I always look fat in pictures or um, my nose is too big or it's like they focus in on things like that, specific things. And, and honestly, if you asked other people, they wouldn't ever focus on that at all. They'd say, if you ask somebody like, tell me what you don't like about, I'll use me as, as an example. If I ask people, tell me what you don't like about Nick, no one's going to mention my physical self at all. They're going to say things like, yeah, he's a little pushy or, you know, yeah, he shows up late to things or something like that. Like that's what's going to show up. But for whatever reason, the minute that we are going to have a picture taken, we're so conscious of the external stuff that everything else falls away. How do you overcome it? It's, it's tricky. Uh, a lot of it has to do with listening to people, taking in what they're saying. Um, and sometimes it's redirecting the perception that they have. So I'll tell you probably the, the biggest thing that I see in people is that they actually, it's not that they don't like the way they look in pictures, it's that they're not used to seeing themselves the way other people see them. Most of us, we get up in the morning, we get ready for the day, and when we're doing that, we're looking in a mirror. And if we're not looking at ourselves constantly on photos and video in media of some kind, if we don't have that kind of life, then we really don't know what we look like to other people. We know what we look like to us when we look in a mirror. So I part my hair from the left to the right. When I look in the mirror, that's not what I'm seeing. I'm seeing a, a reverse of that. So when I see a, a picture of myself, the first thing I have to do is get over that. I'm, I'm seeing myself reversed from the way that I normally see myself. And there's a weird thing that happens, like where your brain is having to flip that image for yourself and you automatically say, well, I don't look like that. Well, you don't. You don't look like that to you when you look in a mirror. You do look like that to other people. So then what happens is people get down this chain of, oh my God, is that what I look like to other people? That looks horrible. My hair looks terrible. I would never wear my hair like that. Why does my hair look so weird? So I'll tell you, often that's one of the first things I do with people. Uh, I use a program when I review images with people called Adobe Lightroom. There are a bunch of different programs you can use. That's the one I happen to use. It has a function in there where you can mirror image what you're looking at. And often when I hear somebody say, oh, I do not like the way I look, I'll say, hang on just a second. I hit the button, it flips it, and they go, oh, that picture's so much better. It's the same photo. <laughs> it's just been flipped. So suddenly they're seeing themselves the way they're used to seeing themselves, which is reversed in the mirror, and they go, oh, that's great. I mean, this is fascinating. One, let's just take a moment to go back and acknowledge it really is universal. Mm -hmm. I've, I've coached and cast a number of 
models over the decades. And um, it doesn't matter how professionally gorgeous you are or that the world has acknowledged that, you know, you are an exceptionally beautiful specimen. Everyone feels this way. It's incredible. But two, something that you really bring and you've touched on here, you have tremendous empathy. Thank you. And it's a, it's a really beautiful, wonderful thing that you bring to your work. So I was just curious in your own experience, like, and you've touched on a little bit already, you know, when you've had your own photos taken Mm -hmm. and I'm presuming you're not sending out self portraits. So well, (laughs) maybe, but you know what I mean? But like when you started or were you a younger actor or Mm -hmm. whatever you're doing, like, how did you work yourself through these exact same issues? I got very lucky. First of all, I, I started as a photographer very, very young. I, in high school, I got interested in it um, and was doing it as a hobby. I uh, apprenticed with a portrait photographer in my hometown. And so there was like no stress on those. It was family portraits, that kind of thing. When I got to New York, again, I, I got very lucky. As an actor in New York, you know you have to get good headshots. You look around town, you look at people's work, you pick somebody. The photographer that I picked, I really liked his work, first of all, and he came recommended. So I met with him. And when I got to his studio, uh, he was, in addition to photographing actor headshots, he also photographed weddings. So on his wall, he had all these pictures from his wedding work. I walk in and there's this giant picture. Like when I say giant, I mean, it's like three foot by four foot or something. Really big picture on his wall of one of my college professors and his wife. And I was like, oh my God, how? how do you know them? Like that's, I just was so blown away. I was like, that's my college professor. And, and he was like, really? He's like, that's, he, he's like, that. I, that's so strange. And how do you know them? And we went through this whole thing and turns out his then wife was best friends with my college professor's wife. We had this incredible connection. So we do this headshot session, but basically as friends already, it, it wasn't like a photographer shooting me. It was like this guy that I got to know first photographing me. And it was just, really comfortable. So I didn't have that experience of having some random stranger take my picture, this person judging me. And over the, over time, he, I started working as his photo assistant. And randomly at the exact same period of time, his photo assistant was moving out of New York. He needed somebody. I asked him why he didn't have a website. This was 1999. He didn't have a website. And he was like, what's a website? And I was like, let me build you a website. So I built him a website. And, and so I ended up being his photo assistant. And Eventually, he was like, listen, you really enjoy photos. It was a part-time gig. He's like, you're good at what you do with you know, your hobby photography. Why don't you be a photographer? And I was like, oh, I really had never thought about it. Um, yeah, why don't I do that? So I started working with him more. I think had I just approached photography from a like scholastic standpoint, I probably wouldn't have the same empathy for actors. I think the reason or other non-actors, I think coming at it the way that I did gave me that experience of being behind the camera and understanding that people are uncomfortable. I was lucky that the photos I had taken of me didn't involve all that weird nonsense. And when I started talking to other actors that did have that weird nonsense, that's when I really realized what was important about a session. And it wasn't the equipment and it wasn't the lighting. It was the person taking the picture and the empathy and the listening that they do with their clients. And I have made my entire business about that. Yes, you have to know what you're doing lighting wise. Yes, you have to understand the equipment. Yes, you have to understand composition, all that stuff. But the different, when you look at 
Richard Avedon's work, you look at the, the real masters of the art, the thing that they're doing different is they're connecting with their subject. That's really what's different about it. And then their, their subjects are willing to do things in those pictures that they otherwise wouldn't. You, you can take um, Annie Leibovitz's work. If you think about that famous photograph of Demi Moore, uh, her pregnancy photo, that shot happened only because Annie Leibovitz had done family portraits for Demi Moore before. That's why that shot happened. So whenever she was photographed for Vanity Fair, that shot was not planned. They did that later because they were done with the Vanity Fair stuff. And it was like, okay, can we also do these pregnancy photos? And then they had this real human connection. They shoot the thing and they're like, actually, I, th I think that might be it. There's so many examples of that from really deeply meaningful photos that when you really get to the story behind it, it was about the connection between the photographer and the subject, and that's it. So that's everything. So whenever I walk into a law firm and I'm photographing people just for their company website, I understand that, yeah, for me, it's I'm going to photograph 40 people today and I'm going to spend, you know, five to eight minutes with each of them. But for them, they're going to put this on their LinkedIn page. Their family members are going to judge them on this when it goes on Facebook. They're going to be using this photo whenever they try to get their next job. Like it matters to them. So I try to key in to that. Like this is a human being that this thing that they're doing, they need to be vulnerable in order to be authentic. And it's my job to make them feel that way. Wow, Nick, you are the whole point of this podcast wrapped into one wonderful package. So one thing, going back in your story, you saw opportunity and you seized it, mm -hmm. becoming um, a photographer's assistant, but also understanding that you could do something that that photographer needed, which was beginning with building a website, which was amazing, mm -hmm. which didn't feel like it had anything to do with the job. But I say this all the time. Hard skills get you in the door, soft skills get you the job and keep you the job. So in your case, it's like, yes, every photographer needs to know how to use the equipment and lighting is really key, but mm -hmm. you're tapping into your superpowers. That's your special gift. That is what I'm coming to you for. A lot of people can take my photo, but only you can take these magical photos, which is incredible. And to make me feel so great. And then for anybody else listening, it is always this combination of connecting your being with your doing. Yeah. And I've, I've seen people make mistakes with photographers. It happens all the time. In New York City, there is always at any given time sort of the it photographer. Mm -hmm. um, and it changes, you know, every five to seven years or so, the it photographer changes and it's the person that everybody goes to. So, and everybody recognizes the, the shots. So Can you I tell see you that from the ca my casting director side, I could, I'll go, oh, that da 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 da, and, and sometimes I'll point out to people, is that really serving you? Not, yep. not, trying to take anything away from the photographer, but why are you and your brand and your goals fitting into someone else's aesthetic? It should really 100%. go the other way. Totally agree. And that's the mistake, right? You'll have somebody that go, oh my, I, all these people are shooting with this really cool photographer and I love their pictures. They look so awesome. And you're like, I agree with you, but like, do you and what you do match that? And I see that all the time. Really, it kind of should be the other way around. It should be that Someone should look at you and go, oh, you fit. I loved uh, your podcast with Rob, Rob Shooter. Is that? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Where he was talking about the four words for people. I loved that because that's sort of the work that I do, especially with artists. 
around what you need in your pictures because you need to know that first and that should drive which photographer you pick really because you know if, if you have a photographer that specializes in really bright uh backgrounds and like really bright flashy light well that's awesome does that jive with you know maybe you're the kind of actor that does um something like mayor of east town does not jive right if you're the kind of actor that does really dark gritty work if you're leonardo dicaprio well, you wouldn't be getting your headshot. But if you're that kind of actor, is that kind of headshot going to work for you? Probably not. It's probably going to fight that stuff that you've got going on. Now, a, a, the reverse is also true. If there's a photographer that specializes in really cinematic looking, um, strong shadows, um, really deep tones, those kinds of things. If you're the kind of actor that does sitcom or let's say, you know, HSN or something, that doesn't work. Like it fights what you're going after. So you got to know those things first and then start looking at photographers whose aesthetic matches that and then interview with them to make sure that you have a rapport with them that doesn't shut you down, that brings you out. So it's got to be driven by all that. So I, I find that I actually, when I meet with people, I sometimes find a way to be busy that day or to, to, cause I don't like telling people no, but I often interview with people that I go, hmm, I'm not the photographer for you. And they think that I am, but I know that I'm not. So I try to find a way to just be busy so that they can find someone that will, that will actually help bring out what they need. Okay, wow. To your very exact point, again, putting on my casting director hat, can I tell you how often responding to a photo and then I felt like a different person walked in the door? Oh, that's the worst. That happens. I tell actors all the time, that is the absolute worst thing. No one's ever going to get mad at you for walking in and being, oh my God, you, you were what I was expecting, but even more, they're going to be really irritated with you whenever they go, you know what we really need for this is, uh, I don't know, somebody that looks really down on their luck and like really that you're casting a role that's going to be like a, uh, a person that's really struggled and they're, um, they're going through a tough time and, you know, you call in this person and they show up and they're really polished and put together and it doesn't jive. You're like, well, I can't cast you. And the opposite's true too, right? Like it happens. It really shows up in the host space because now mm -hmm. it's, it is about character and persona, but it's, you know, it's unscripted and it's, it's based on you. So if your photo is wild and outrageous, like I'm that over the top person and then you come in and you're lovely, but you're different. It's that's a massive disconnect. Yeah. Now practical point. I want to go back to something you said. What are the questions I should be asking? when I'm looking for a photographer? So I feel like all of the questions really should be about um, how the photographer sees you, what, uh, which is hard to get into because they don't know you. But it should, you should just kind of know. Like, uh, I know we haven't talked much, but like looking at me, what are your feelings? Like what are the kinds of things that you feel looking at me? Because you want to make sure that their impulses match what it is that you're going after. First of all, I feel like it's really on the subject like if you're it's a different if i'm hired by a magazine to go out and photograph somebody that's a different relationship than if a person an individual comes to me and wants to, me to photograph them to uh for a business purpose if you are hiring me to take your picture you need to do most of the work on knowing what it is you need and then you need to make sure that i my impulse, the way that I'm seeing you matches those things. So I think that's really important. Is there some um, vocabulary there? Because I hear what you're saying. It's so I, I'm presuming, because the same thing when you go to get your hair done, like bring in some tear sheets, have some yeah. visual examples of, of what you like and what you're looking for. And a good photographer then I 
presuming for you when it walk you through whether that's attainable or yes. not. Yes. So there's the reality check part and I'm um, hoping that you're working with a diplomat. But then number two is vocabulary because most yeah, of so, us don't have it. So what, what are some of the visuals are useful? Words? Visuals okay. are useful. So uh, having Google image search is great for this. If you do a Google image search for, if you're an actor, it's easier because you can look up actors that you feel like do similar roles for uh, that you would do. And it doesn't have to be even people that are at the same level as you. It's like people that have done work similar to yours or the essence that you're going to bring. That can go across any field. It really can. Yeah. I, it's like, I like this public figure because I'm in the same field and I want to look like this CEO. Exactly. I did a shoot this week uh, for a law firm and it's just because I'm at a law firm doesn't mean that everybody's getting the same shot because I'll always ask people, um, what's your area of practice? Because that drives what you need from a picture. And I didn't really ever think about this until I was once shooting a law firm. This guy comes in, um, we do some shots. First of all, he was really easy to shoot. He, he, I could photograph him pretty much every angle and he was happy with it. But we got one shot where his smile was just magnetic. It was awesome. And I'm thinking, I'm, my job's done. This is great. So I show him the pictures. We hit that shot. And I'm thinking in my head, this is going to be the one that he looks at. And he goes, oh, I'm so happy with it. We hit that shot. And he's like, yeesh, not that one. And I said, oh, I'm so surprised. Like, you look great. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's a great smile. I love that shot. And I said, well, why can't we use it? And he said, well, because of my clientele, like, it would be really inappropriate. I'm like, what? What do you do? And he's like, well, I'm a bankruptcy lawyer. And I'm like, oh, yeah, no, that makes sense. You don't want some big cheese eaten smile when somebody's coming to you and saying like, we're dealing with bankruptcy, like it doesn't make sense, right? So similarly, litigators will want a different feeling shot than somebody that's in, you know, finance or mergers and acquisitions or whatever. So even something like that, some a drier field that people would think like, like oh, all you're looking for is a really pretty shot. Mm -mm -mm. The essence of who you are and, and what that means to your audience really matters. So it happens a lot. You've taught me a little bit about the idea of micro expressions. So you can explain to the audience what those are and mm -hmm. why they are so important and impactful here. So I, I'm, I'm a person that's a, a lifelong student. I love learning about things. And it, my attention kind of shifts from idea to idea of what I'm interested in at any given time. And I got into um, Body language, I think driven mostly by um, being an actor and being curious about what body language says and does. I know you had somebody on the podcast about this recently that was talking about it. Um, and so through that, I started being introduced to uh, other people. Paul Ekman is a researcher that does this um, investigation in what are called micro expressions. And at any given time, our face is transmitting our emotions, whether we are aware of it or not. And even if we try to hide that, there will always be a brief glimpse of it or a glimmer of it. What's really interesting is we are not all necessarily able to pick up on those micro expressions. Um, and this is the reason why I started studying it is I, I read this and I was like, well, what does that mean? He has a, a test that you can take on his website where you can see how good you are at recognizing expressions, micro expressions, emotion, human emotion. Has it ever occurred to you that you might not be good at recognizing human emotion? Did not occur to me until I read this book. I'm like, wait, what? Some people are better at recognizing emotion than others? How is that possible? So I take the test and I'm like, oh, I'm nailing this. I'm doing so good. I'm, I'm, I'm so good at recognizing emotion. I get, get to the end and it's like, eh, you do not, you're, you have the inability to recognize sadness. What? 
I couldn't recognize human sadness. I was misinterpreting sadness as anger in microexpression, which means that it's a fleeting expression. This was so eye-opening to me. Uh, my background, I grew up through a, a pretty traumatic childhood, and that trauma had caused me to have some um, repression of emotions within myself. And that was showing up in my ability to recognize emotions in other people. Fascinating stuff. So through knowing this and doing more training, which the Ekman Group has, I was able to transform my ability to recognize those emotions. Now, I, that's really helped me in understanding my clients because I can tell now whenever they are being, I don't want to say dishonest. There's a whole thing about microexpression and recognizing lies. I can tell whenever they are uncomfortable and I can tell whenever they are withholding something. That helps me in navigating whether or not they're uh, happy with the way they look, whether or not they're hiding some sort of version of themselves and being aware of that enough to, to let them do that. You see what I mean? So I feel like if you are interested in, in the arts or media, studying and understanding microexpressions is sort of a must at this point because I feel like we're all lacking some area of it. When I have this conversation with people um, and then they go and take the test, they're shocked. Everybody's shocked at, at that there's some part of it that they miss too. And for, for others, it might be that they have trouble recognizing surprise or they have trouble recognizing anger. That's a big one for people. So it impacts our relationships with, with pretty much everybody. And whenever you are in these really vulnerable positions of dealing with people's appearance, that can really matter. You know, I'm running to take the test as soon as we wrap this. Oh yeah. I'm so curious to hear. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> one of the ways we can feel more comfortable in anything is through practice. So how, or what are best practices to prepare for a photo shoot? So I would encourage people if you can to both look at yourself in video, uh, Record yourself doing a range of emotions. I know this sounds weird and you're going to feel weird doing it, but it, it really is important. Understand what your face likes, looks like whenever you're making different emotions. What does that mean? You may literally have to get a list of emotions. You may have to get a list of like happy, surprised, sad, concerned, whatever, this big list, and just look in the camera, read the emotion, make the face. Understand what it is to do that because it might be that you are you don't know what it's like to make those expressions. And that may be a limitation that shows up in your photography session. If you go in and you just try to look pretty, well, what does that mean? But if you go in and you try to show concern or you try to show interest or you uh, try to show surprise or you try to show um, flirtation, those are active things that you can do. Mm -hmm. So I would say practice doing that. Understand what you look like doing that. And are you able to? do the thing that you're trying to do. It's one thing to practice, uh, it sounds so dumb, making faces. But when somebody says smile, can you actually do that? That's very hard for a lot of people. So if you practice in, in the video, I would then say, if you can, flip it. So reverse it, like we talked about in the mirror. See what it looks like. If it looks okay to you there, reversed, then you can rest assured that it's a, you're gonna make good pictures. If you still don't like it, you got something else going on. 
maybe that you have some kind of emotional lockup. And I don't know what to tell you about that, except that maybe it's time to talk to a therapist. Those things can be really useful in getting over the way we feel about ourselves and the way we look. Um, I will tell you that doing this myself, I changed the way I parted my hair. I used to part my hair on the other side and doing this mirror work and, and practicing the way I looked in the mirror uh, and reviewing the images and everything, I realized that I preferred the way I looked in the mirror versus reality, which means that if I wanted other people to see me the way I see me, I needed to part my hair the other way. So now when I look in the mirror, I actually do not like my hair when I look in the mirror, but when I see it in pictures, I like it. That's a point well taken. Continuing on with preparing, something that I know for myself, and I was thinking about this when you're talking about working in a law firm and having eight minutes with someone, during the preparation, you start to understand how long it takes to warm up. I meant oh, yeah. to actually grow into getting the photo taken, to feel comfortable. It's the same thing I talk about, you know, if you're giving a keynote, a presentation, hosting anything on camera, you have to understand how long you take, need to warm up. So you need to warm up before you get in front of the camera. So in this case, the same thing. It's it's understanding, especially if only eight minutes to get the shot, that, you know, go into the restroom, um, meditate, make faces, uh, stretch, breathe, listen to music, look, use any kind of anchors that help you get to that place emotionally where you want to be. And the other thing you said so important is, okay, smiles are... Smiles are like a really broad term yeah. because we can convey so much warmth and compassion and interest just by relaxing our jaw. So going from my favorite resting bitch face to relaxed jaw, oh, now you're like warm and present with me, but I haven't really smiled yet, to all the way to toothy grin. So that too is a really helpful thing to practice. Mm -hmm. And the, oh, and here's my other, I don't know if you subscribe to this, but like literally the practical thing of like sticking your, well, yes, you do. You make me do this yourself, like sticking my neck out, <laughs> like sticking my chin. So let's talk a little bit about posture sure. and that um, I learned this too, because this certainly makes a difference in video. Light expands or amplifies the thing it hits first. So you don't want it hitting your torso. So when you're on TV, um, this is why we do the 10 degree lean or, you know, everybody's different, but you want it to hit your head and amplify your head, not your midsection. And so then the same thing, I think making a better line and these, you know, dropping my shoulder and all these things you taught me to do, but um, just helping people understand, or if you could walk us through the, the sticking your chin out and why that makes a difference. There, first of all, some of these things are shortcuts. And as a photographer, you have a limited amount of times so you're using a shortcut to get to a, a, a designation. The first thing I want to talk about, though, it, first, whenever I talk to any about any, any of these things, I can give you the shortcut, but you'll misuse it. So I like to tell people concepts instead, because if you understand the concept, then the shortcut doesn't matter. You'll start to figure out your own way. First thing I want to ask is, has it ever occurred to you why people prefer certain pictures over others? The shortcut is uh, lean towards the camera and lift your chin. That's a shortcut. Why does that look, I'm going to put it in quotation marks, why does that look better? We all know it does. When you see a picture, why does it look better? I personally believe that the reason why it looks better is because the person is not hiding. If I'm standing here and I'm talking to you in person and you ask me a question and I lean my body away from you, it looks like something, uh, I've, you've offended me in some way. There's something wrong. You're pulling away. If you ask me, we're sitting here having a conversation, you ask me something and I lean in, now you go, oh, you're interested in me. That's the reason why the picture looks better. It's not because we think like, oh, you look slimmer or you look more attractive. It looks like you're more interested in me, the viewer, and that's why it looks better. So really, 
Looking good in a picture, weirdly, is caring an awful lot about who's on the other side of the camera. I think that you'll find, historically, there are photographers and models that have had collaborations that were really, really great. In every single one of those instances, it's because the model had a deep connection with the photographer. So whenever they're, they look great in the pictures because either they have uh, an, an intellectual uh, relationship that, that's really deep or they have an emotional uh, uh, connection that's really deep or a physical one, right? There's some connection with the person on the other side of the lens and that's what it makes them more interesting. And we interpret that as attractive. So if your energy is guarded, if you're, um, everything that you're doing is pulling away from the photographer, you're not going to like those pictures because you're picking up, again, on all this micro-expression stuff that we subconsciously deal with. If someone is pulling away from you and, and pulling their chin to the side and you're on a date with them, are you going to go on a second date? No, you don't even have to have a conversation about it. You're like, I don't know. They can say a whole bunch of things that you really like, but their body language says, I'm not interested in you. You're not going to ask them out again. If the person is really quiet, doesn't have a lot to say, but they spent the whole time leaning towards you uh, and reaching out to you, you know there's something there. So a lot of it is based on that. Um, most of us look our best when we are slightly turned away from camera and slightly leaned towards camera. That's because we are interested in the person on the other side of it, but we're not confronting them. Okay, mind blown. And you just tapped into something. Again, I say all the time in video for a host or a speaker, even anyone doing commercials, like you need to know who you're talking to, right? Because you're connecting with the camera and you're talking to them, not at them. I never, ever thought about that in a, in a photograph in this situation. Amazing. So imagine your mind's eye, in addition mm -hmm. to your photographer, who you're connecting with. Mind blown. Why are they portraits, not headshots? Okay. We, I talked to you about this once before and I, the term headshot is, is kind of meaningless. It, it doesn't mean anything. If you look it up, it just means a picture of a person's head. It just doesn't mean anything. Whenever somebody says, oh, I need to get a headshot taken. When, when they say that, what they're saying is I need a picture of my face for a purpose. Usually it means it needs to accompany a resume. It's a job seeking tool, a headshot. It, it lacks all of the emotional depth if, if you said to me, uh, you know, my husband and I are going to go have our portrait taken, I immediately have this whole connection around what you're going to be doing during that. If you say, oh, I'm going to go get my headshot taken, it sounds like you're going to pop in for a couple of minutes, have someone snap a picture, and then you're going to staple it to something and send it off. And sometimes that is what you need. If you have a company that's got 300 employees and their picture is going to be on their email that goes out and everybody needs a copy of it, you need a headshot. You just need a picture so people know who they're talking to. If you're in media, if your job relies around your relationship and connection with other people, you need to make sure that you have an emotionally resonant picture. And that's a portrait. It, it requires a, a deeper connection with why you're doing it. It's not just because it, it's required. It's because you're trying to accomplish something with the photo. It's the biggest problem that actors run into. They, they know that they, you read it in books, right? You get a book on the business of acting and you get to the chapter about headshots and the very first par paragraph, it says, you only need one great shot. And people go, that's what I need. I need a great headshot because it says it right there. I'm going to highlight that. You need one great shot. And they don't really think about what that means. 
if you're an actor and you are going to be auditioning for a bunch of different roles, well, what role are you auditioning for today? Are you auditioning for Law & Order SVU? And are you the uh, litigator? Are you the cop? Or are you the, the bad guy? Or are you somebody that witnessed it? If you had one great headshot, you think it's going to fit all those things? No, of course not. Think about every business, though, that has their employees' headshots mm -hmm. or photos on their websites now. That's something, yeah. you know, that didn't exist 10 years ago, maybe not that common even five years ago, but now it's everywhere. And that's really important. Um, so at, at the top, I was going to say, so if I was hiring you for my company, I also have to have a really clear vision about what we stand for, what our oh, brand yeah. values and how I want to represent um, our company with our employees. But then, so question for you, because this is a style issue, is eye contact, no eye contact? Mm. So this, it has to do with the brand. So this is what I mean that you may need a headshot if you work for a company. You may need a portrait if you're in business for yourself. So if I'm IBM, and I just pick them randomly, if I'm IBM, I am going to decide what IBM's brand is. And I'm going to decide what is best for IBM. And that is what my pictures are going to look like. And all of my employees are going to have a picture that is best for IBM. So someone sitting somewhere in marketing is going to decide what that is. And then whoever the employee is, you're going to show up and that's what you're going to get. That's different than if you are deciding for yourself. So if you do work for a big company and you're going to have your headshot taken, you don't get to deal with what the background might be or how the photographer is lighting it or any of those things. So that's just not going to be part of the equation. It, it, and so you're going to have to rely on a connection with the photographer because that, that can still come across. That's what I have to do whenever I'm photographing 100 people in a company and they all look the same, but that connection with the person still matters a lot. Now, if you're in business for yourself, you now it really is on you and it, it's something you're going to have to figure out what those elements are. Um, it, it doesn't involve the photographer a lot of times. You may need a marketing consultant or something like that to figure that out because now you're talking about brand. And that I think companies are starting to realize more and more that consumers are no longer interested in interacting with nameless faces entities. They want a personal relationship because they can get it. If I don't get it from you, I'm going to go somewhere else and get it from someone who's willing to do that. So they're putting a face on their customer service. They're putting a face on their brand. And it's the people that pay attention to that and uh, investigate that and put time and energy into, into it. Those are the people that are going to have clients going forward. You're fantastic. Thank you so much for making time and sharing so much great information. I love talking to you. I know we both love to nerd out on subjects. So anytime. Where can we find you, Nick Coleman? You can find me on, uh, on the socials. I am Nick J. Coleman on all the socials. Uh, I'm mostly interactive on uh, Instagram, somewhat on Twitter. Um, you can also, I have a website, Coleman Photographics with an X, because I wanted things to be difficult.com. <laughs> Paul Ekman, by the way, that's whose quiz I'm taking. Mm -hmm. Look at Paul Ekman and micro expressions and, and you'll, you'll find it. I'm on it. And thank you for listening to Camera Ready and Able. If you'd like info on upcoming classes or one-on-one -on -one private coaching, please skip on over to ableintermedia.com and shoot me a note. And please be sure to hit the subscribe button if you haven't already.